Our good God, we are in your house. We have come to listen to you. Speak to me, speak through me, speak to your sons and daughters. That when we hear you, we'll be touched, we'll be moved to be doers of the word, not only hearers. In Jesus' name, I declare this done. Amen. Please sit down. Yeah, thank you for making me a Pagassian. Oh, I am one. Today I didn't wear the, the Pagash thing. Nobody else is wearing it. Even the pastor is not wearing it. It's only, only you. Uh, but you, the black one, the hood. Yeah, you have the hood on there. Uh, but I don't, I don't see. Okay, but you are not wearing the hood. The hoodie, the hoodie. Yeah, I, I see he's not wearing the hood. You have, you have it. Oh, you're not wearing It's different. Sorry, let me, let me not worry. Excelling in the grace of giving. If you are like me and you hear about giving, you say, what is new? So I decided to do something about that topic, but do it differently. Do it in a very refreshing way. Do it historically. And do it in such a way as to whet your appetite for Bible study and to encourage some of you to go to Bible school and become pastors and preachers and evangelists, even if you are bivocational. Because the Bible is such a very big book. And when you read it, every subject is in it. What we are going to look at today, you will see, you will learn eloquence. Paul's eloquence. You will see how to convince people, conviction, or modern term, how to wrap them. Eh? The power of persuasion, you will see it. You see comparing and contrasting. You see the power of examples. The, the things are plenty. So I, 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 have, I have a the purpose. It's just to whet your appetite to know that God's word is God's word. That when people read it, they think the Bible is such a boring book. You can learn things from the Bible, and when you apply those principles and you are working or talking, you say, ah, where did you get the wisdom from? That's what David could say, I'm wiser than my teachers. Because he has learned something. In order not to prolong my introduction, I'll start like this. This passage about the grace of giving or excelling in giving, if you take the Bible in 2 Corinthians, I'm doing what they call New Testament survey. So if you are surveying, that's what I'll be doing. It is in a certain part of the Bible. So if you want to understand the whole thing, because we say if you read something out of context, then you are just talking, 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 but you don't know what really it's about. So from 2 Corinthians chapter 8 to chapter 9, verse 15, what is the Bible teaching about? It's teaching about the ministry and its financial collections. What's the meaning of that? The church of God has started. Christ started it and Christ died. Later on, a man called Paul was called and anointed by God. He said, go and preach. So they sent him out. First missionary journey, second missionary journey, third missionary journey. And as he was going around, 
he realized that it is not only a matter of preaching, 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 but ah, the churches, they have problems. He went somewhere, they beat him, but that was not relevant to him. He found out that some of the churches were poor, some were rich. They heard that mother church in Jerusalem, <laughs> poverty has caught them, and they are not progressing very well. So he's now thinking, ah, I am moving from place to place, from place to place. You see rich people here, you see poor people here, you see needy people. Then you see some people who are in extreme poverty. Headquarters, cry. The life there is not good. So what can we do? Now, Paul now has a different type of ministry added to the ministry of preaching the word. Empowering the churches so that they will show their love to one another among the pagan world. That we are one in the same family. And when one part suffers, the other one suffers. So he said, okay, fine. That is what now I accept as the ministry. You can read more about those things. So he decides, okay, fine. I am going to teach them. And when he made the appeal to the churches that he knew, he made the appeal to a church in Corinth very because that was one of the wealthiest churches, rich churches in a rich town. Oh, they promised that they will help him. They will help him. We will send money. We will send money. But some people, when they promise you, sooner they forget. Because their own needs are so paramount that they forget. I'll pay your school fees as soon as you leave the room. Say, what? Forget. Oh, I'll help you. Don't, don't worry. Don't worry. Some connection come, it's forgotten. You see some nice car, oh, fine. See some shirt, oh. See some takeaway, ah. I didn't you promise, my friend, my mouth, it be gone. So people behave like that. The Corinthians were behaving like that. Then he had some people knocking at his door. The church in Philippi. The church in Macedonia. Paul, we hear that some people are in need somewhere, particularly in Jerusalem, and you haven't told us. Why haven't you told us? And Paul is saying, why should I tell you people? Because I hear you are suffering. Paul had preached in the cities of Macedonia. He heard a voice saying, come to Macedonia and help us. And there are at least three Macedonian churches. They are in a certain region. One is Philippi. The other one called Thessalonica, or Thessalonica, a third one is called Berea. These are all in the Macedonia area. He had preached and left that place 10 years, preaching at other places, raising money from rich churches, Corinth, to send here, Rome, send here. The people in Macedonia said, why have you left us out? Paul said, I didn't even think about you people. Because the suffering you, you are suffering, I cannot believe it. I hear you are suffering too much because of your faith. You are suffering because of your love for God. You are suffering because your land has been spoiled. Philippi, or the Macedonian area, was a Roman colony. And Roman soldiers had come there. And when soldiers come to their land, come to your place, they do what the Galamse people do in your land when they come to look for gold in your land. They spoil everything. So the land was spoiled. 
The people were poor. They were suffering. They were even afraid to come out. So for them to say, Paul, why did you leave us out? Paul said, I didn't even think about asking you. Because you are suffering too much. He said, ah, when blessings come, when we know we have heard that it is only God who can give and people are in need, you don't want us to sow the seed. Paul, one yard they cry. Are you, are you with me? So we'll give. We'll give. Paul got it. <laughs> he shook his head. He sent Titus to collect the money. What he got? Say, yeah, God. Now, people are going in the second round. Third round to go and collect money. So he wrote this letter to help people in Corinth to get something. That you promise and you fail. Some people didn't promise because I didn't even ask them. They heard it and now look at the way they are behaving. So this sermon is in two parts. I will do part one. Somebody else will do part two later on. So the part one, the challenge to give. Give me the first point. What's the first one there? The first point he's giving us, oh, read it for me. What? The grace of giving. Thank you. What do we know? Know the spirit of the Macedonians. They gave because of the grace of God and the favor of God. Why did they give? Because of the grace and the favor of God. That they are still alive. They are suffering, but they are still alive. They gave in spite of terrible trial and deep poverty. And they gave liberally. Because it is not the amount. The amount is important, but the spirit behind it. Ah, we are begging you. Give, give, give. Paul is using them. He's writing to Corinth. And he's using who? Macedonians. Because sometimes you can provoke people by telling them, Ona, you say you don't have, but you see what somebody has done. See what others are doing. Corinth. See, he's writing to Corinth. He's giving an example of Macedonia. Go to the next point. Let's see what, how, how he does it. They gave beyond their ability because they were willing to give, so they gave willingly. Hallelujah. The woman who gave the widow's might, how much did she have? Sometimes when you talk about widow's might, it's as if, oh, okay, okay, in my pocket, Okay, I have some coins and I have some CDs. Okay, 20 CDs. Okay, that one is too big. Let me put five CDs. So this, this is my widow's might. No. The widow's might, she gave all, 100%. So if you find people misinterpreting Bible, tell them no. The widow gave 100%. She gave beyond their ability. It's not a matter of what she has. But what she was willing to give, she gave willingly. Some people, it's not what they have. They are not even willing to give. There were others who came, Jesus said, when they put their money in the bowl, you say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When they drop the check, you say, mm-hmm. When the MP gives, yeah. When the pastor gives, yeah. When the businessman gives, yes. But when she gave, bang, bang. say, what is that? That's why some time ago they used to preach, don't bring coins to church. Or nowadays, 
I have a joke with the past, with the uh, uh, my deacons when they collect money. Now go there and say, how is it? So, Pastor Fred he didn't come to church today. By Pastor Fred, they mean the 200 cities. They say uh, the 200 cities say they don't know church. They only know political parties. They only know they go to the high place. They don't come to church. So say Pastor Fred didn't come to church today. It means 100 cities, 200 cities, they didn't come. It is only the Midorfa that I mean, the red one and the blue ones that come. So when, when they say that, if you follow me to the ushers and you follow me to the deacons and they say, Pastor Fred didn't come to church today, I understand what they mean. Let Pastor Fred go to church. Eh? Uh-huh. Now, they gave beyond their ability because they were willing. God knows your ability. And when you pass that ability, you do willingly. Don't give me the answer. Now, Know the spirit of the Macedonian. They gave because of the grace of God. They gave insistently, begging for the privilege to share. Give me verse 4 in full. They were begging. Can you, can you believe it? We only find that in the book of uh, Chronicles. When they were building the temple, they were building and building. So then, about they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to who? The Lord's people. Hallelujah. Now, you are in Greece. Some people are in Jerusalem. If I'm human. Is that anything to you? What is that to you? No. What do you want me to do about it? Today we're praying about Ukraine. We're praying about Gaza. We are praying about Sudan, we are praying about Israel, all the wars. You say, how does it concern me? Did you know that if there were no Arab Christians in the land of Israel or Palestine, there would be no Christianity there? Did you know that Nazareth, Bethlehem, and all those places, they are populated by Arab Christians, not by Jews? So when you hear bombing in Gaza, this and that and they are our brothers and sisters by the blood of Jesus. Give me 1 Corinthians 12, 13. I'll read another one. So he said, they were begging. So take it. So here are people who see that, ah, if one person suffers, we also suffer because we are all part of the same body. So take it. We and give to them. Oh, the church in Mepe has broken down. Oh, these people are struggling here. They are just willing to invest. We were all baptized by one spirit and so to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we're all giving the one spirit to drink. So it's a bigger body. And if one person needs, we are all baptized by the spirit. Global Christianity. Kingdom Christianity. That is what these Laodiceans, these poor people, that's how they were thinking. Hello. What type of thinking is that? Where did they get that one from? Kingdom transformation has changed their mind that even though they were Greek speaking and the ancient Greek people conquered Jerusalem, Alexander the Great and his people conquered all those places. Now I say, ah, these are our brothers. Let's help them. Give me the next one. Let's look at something. So they gave. They gave beyond their ability. And they were willing to give. 
Because they learned something in Christianity. They learned something from Judaism. In Judaism, they had a saying, at the Jewish feast of Purim, there was a regulation that says that however poor a person is, when it comes to Purim, you must find somebody purer than you. You must find somebody who is poorer than you and give the person a gift. This is what pleases God. <laughs> Hello. When you say you are poor and it comes to the feast of Purim, the book of Esther talks about feast. Find somebody who is poorer than you and give that person a gift because God wants us to bless the poor and the needy. And the lesson, it is not always those who are most wealthy, who are generous. Often those who have the least to give are the most ready to give. And the saying is that it is the poor who help the poor because they know what poverty is like. Hallelujah. So now that the people in Macedonia are suffering, you say, hey, if Jerusalem is suffering, they don't hear if it's way there. It's serious. How would their children eat? Why would they do this? Remember, there was a long ago story about France. There was a queen. Went and told the queen. The people are looking. They don't have money. They cannot buy bread. You know her answer. If they can't find bread, what is the problem? They must eat cake. Hello? <laughs> if they can't buy bread, what's the problem? They must eat cake. Because she, 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 cannot, she, cannot, she cannot understand it. She doesn't live in their world. That is the poverty that ministers to poor people. And people like that receive the blessing of God. See, they gave insistently, begging for the privilege to share. Now, this, way, this one will blow your mind. Take verse 5. They gave themselves to the Lord first. Uh -huh. If I take the Bible and I go to the background, this is where the research and study Bibles come in. We quote this. And when we quote it, we say that what does it mean? It means I've become a Christian, I've given myself first to the Lord, and therefore I must give. I gave myself first to the Lord, so I'm saved. Well, that may be what it means. Somebody said, oh, there was a, a bowl that they were passing around, and the person said, I don't have anything to give, so he stood in the bowl. What does it mean? I'm giving my whole self to the offering. So take my whole self. What am I going to do with you? Sell you, cut your hair. If you're an Indian woman or something, I'll shave your hair and go and sell it. Then it becomes a wig, Peruvian wig, Indian wig, and the woman will buy, and then we'll wear wig. So two animals were having a conversation. The chicken and the pork. And the chicken said, oh, I love it when I see people having breakfast. So he looked at the pig. The pig didn't say anything. So he said, why? Why do you like people eating breakfast? Why are you not happy? He said, yeah, because the sacrifices are different. So what do you mean by that? Say for you, you lay an egg, and they crack the egg, and they eat it as omelette or whatever they want to do. But for me, 
when they are eating bacon or sausage or whatever, what are they eating? They are eating me. The whole thing. I don't eat eggs. It's not part of me. They gave themselves first to the Lord. That is what happened. And what does Paul mean here? What, what are we talking about? The story is told about two people from the Macedonian area who were actually sent by those churches to go and help Paul. As you may know, the book on Philippi was written from Rome to the church in Philippi to thank them for their help that they gave to Paul. Paul had preached there 10 years earlier. He had continued preaching till he got himself in trouble. And he was now under house arrest. And house arrest means, like it means today in Ghana prison, or Ghana, when you misbehave and they take you and put you in Cantabac or cell. Your father or your mother, your grandfather, your whatever, will come and give you food. Otherwise you will die. It was like that in those days. So house arrest means you take care of yourself and your needs. Paul was getting old. He had been preaching. So when they took him to prison, something must happen. The records show that the churches in Macedonia area, apart from sending money, has sent two people. One of them is called Aristarchus from Thessalonica. Acts 28.2. Aristarchus was with him. So we suspect that Aristarchus may have enlisted himself as Paul's slave. Acts 28.2. Acts 28.2. Aristarchus may have enlisted himself as what? Paul's slave. So when you catch the master, you catch the slave. Buy one, get one free. So what was he there to do? So Paul can say, go here. Come here, do this, don't do this, tie my shoe, see that you buy me cocoa, kose, watch it. He was the one who was helping him, because the man couldn't do anything. So what was the man giving to Paul? His money or what? He gave himself first. Hallelujah. That's what he means. He registered himself as a slave to serve Paul. And therefore serve the kingdom. And that is what enabled Paul to have at least the peace of mind to write and pray and fast and do all the things that he wanted to do. Hallelujah. My friend, we have come far. The gospel has come far. And if you say you are sacrificing, you haven't gone to that extent. As if Aristarchus wasn't doing enough, they added another person who carried the money there. And that man was called Epaphroditus. And when he got there, whether he was at Dadaba or whatever happened, the man became sick. The man became sick that he was about to die. If you read Paul, Paul said, God had mercy <laughs> on him. Paul had mercy on that man and had mercy on the church in Philippi. Three different types of mercy. Why? Because if that man had died, if Epaphroditus had died, his whole family who say they sent him there, he went and died. The church will say, we sent him there, he went and died. And Paul will say, oh, instead of me alone being in prison, this man too has come and died. Now, 
So let's go back to verse 5. When he says, they gave themselves to the Lord first. These, his people who were serving him, were not his relatives. We don't know whether the man ever married. If he's married, we don't know. Why were they doing that? Because he's God's servant. And we're willing to wait on him. Hallelujah. So they not only send money, their very lives was at his disposal. May God send some of us as missionaries. May God send some of us as workers, student workers, as prayer warriors, as seeing the world and helping the mission, the ministries of God in the north and south, east and west, so that the gospel will go. That's what he meant. Not just throwing money, our money, so you throw it, throw it. No! They gave themselves first. Will somebody say hallelujah? Will somebody say, Lord, help me? So that's what we find over here. So this man is writing all of this thing to a rich church. <laughs> a rich church in Corinth who had promised and were not giving. So, in verses 6 and 7, let's read that. I'm about to come to an end. When I, when I land there, you give me the verses themselves. And let's see. We are now moving from what the Philippians had done Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea had done, and why he was writing to the church in Corinth. Diplomacy, persuasion, example, comparison, lesson by inference from known to unknown. So we had titles just as we had earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. So Corinth, we are writing to you. Had, you had promised earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. They had promised. Oh, you betray, we'll give. So he gave them the rules. On the first day of the week, when you meet, everybody should put aside what they had made up their mind to give so that there will be no arrears when we come. Is that in your Bible? They promised to good intention, but they were not doing it. They said, oh, Agbajena, Agbajena. Ooh, why, 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 why are they worrying us? So they said, okay, well, the need is still there. So on the first day, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collection will be made. Now, let's go back to where we came from. Paul did not even go to go and collect those monies because he was in prison. So who was the money collector? Oh, help me, help me, help me. Uh, BSU or Noobs or Pagash, be Bible students. Who was he sending to go and collect the money? So we urge who? Titus. Just as we had earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. Titus is now coming. When he comes, give him, give him, give him, give him the money. Then he goes, <laughs> take the next verse. Paul uh, is a very interesting guy. You, you read, that's verse 7. Can you read verse 7 for me? But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love, kindled in you. See that. Fine. 
This is a very dangerous verse. This is a very dangerous verse. It's a very dangerous verse. Let me show why it is a very dangerous verse. Since you have excelled in everything, the Corinthians was, Corinth was one of the churches that God had blessed with every gift. Every gift, every gift. So since you excel in faith, the gift of faith, you say you have it. Eh? You excel in speech. Whether the speech is in tongues, interpretation, prophecy, whatever it is, you have it. Babao. If it's knowledge, the gift of discernment, the gift of this and that, you have plenty. <laughs> you have. You are, the, you are the church that has more gift than anybody. Since you excel in, the, in knowledge. And I've written to you about how you can do 1 Corinthians 13 in love. We have kindled these things in you. We have sown these things in you that are God's gift. You understand. You can practice them. And you are practicing them. Now, see that you also do what? Excel. You need something else. You need the grace of giving. You need the anointing to give. To stop being chiseled. Hello? So you can come. But as soon as the offering bowl comes in, you stop. You stop. You stop. Oh, Charlie, wait. School fees. This, this, that. He's not saying don't pay school fees. You have not even made up your mind that I'm going to go there in the first place. So you don't do it. Excel also in the grace of giving. Now, how can I talk to people like this? You're taking the poor to compare to the rich. You are taking their spiritual gifts to compare to somebody's poverty. Hello, are you getting me? You see how Bible studies is good. All right, so where shall I end? I've finished. Say, I should preach from one to seven. I've finished. Okay, let me jump just to finish properly. Let me go to verse nine. Okay. <laughs> the grace of giving is to be completed in you. The grace of giving is to come. Because God has already given you a lot. And you know something? The gifts that God gives us is the gift that gives us employment to earn a living. Sometimes you may not believe it or not. Your gifts that God gives you, the spiritual gifts that God gives you, open certain doors for you to even get physical, material jobs. So I like talking. I'm a teacher. So you like talking? Oh, you can teach. It can make you to be a lawyer, a journalist, and this and that. Some people, you are naturally very curious. You, are the, you have the gift. You can do some mathematics calculation. You have the gift of discernment. That is what has made you who you are. You are a chartered accountant. You are this and that and that. Some of you, you have the gift of exhortation. When you talk, people listen to you. And now you are a wonderful counselor. You are a psychiatrist. You are a psychologist. You are talking. The discernment is working. And you are earning. They are paying you. Wah, 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 wah. You have the gift of empathy. You have the gift of sympathy. You have the gift of this. So you are a doctor. People don't go to this hospital. They come to the hospital. When you minister, they say, ah, this one there, he's different. Why? Because sometimes there's a connection between your spiritual giftedness and what the Lord is doing to bring food to your table. But when you get that food, you forget the giver. Say, ah! When I went to school, I got first class. Those who went and got, they didn't get anything. They got free flight from France. Somebody, they study more than you. Hello? They study more than you. So what is it? It is the grace. So the other graces 
abound in you. Therefore, the grace of giving must also abound in you. Now, what is Paul doing there? He was not begging. If, if, I, if I go on to 2 Corinthians, I'll cry. He was not begging so that they give him money to chop. He said, I have learned in everything to be satisfied because godliness and contentment is gain. So if I get money, I like. If I don't get money, I like. If I live, I like. If I die, it's better. So I'm not asking you, but I'm only teaching you that you are sitting on your blessings. And if you don't get this, God's agenda will not work. If you don't get this, the global challenge will not work. Christ said we should go and make disciples of all nations. Sure. Is it only money? Yeah. Sometimes we overemphasize money. We need the money. But we need the people who will go and make the sacrifice. The grace of giving. So, let me finish with this story. I met a man who I knew in Korea. I saw this man, and I looked at him, and I called him, Jin, I know you. He turned and looked at me, and then he shook his head. You know me? I said, I know you. He just chuckled. I said, I went back again. I said, I think I know you. He said, why? I said, sir, is your wife not called Janice? And your two children are called Mark and Monty. The man said, wait, 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 wait. Where do you know me from? I said, you're a Baptist missionary. You lived in Tessano. We helped you to set up a church in Mamprobi as well as Bethel. He said, yeah, it's true. And I bought your shoe, which is what in those broken days I used for my wedding. <laughs> he said, wait. Come, let's talk. We're talking. He said, I'm sorry that I said I didn't know you. I said, why? So you see, when we left Ghana, we came through all kinds of difficulties. There's a window called the 1040 window, where all the troubles in the world are. The Muslims, the Baha'i, those who don't believe anything. And we had to decide, who do we want to obey? Who created the 1040 window? They have gone to colonize that place. They call it 1040 window and say the door, the door not open. They don't want any missionaries. So we said, what did Jesus say we should do? Matthew 28, 19 says, go where? Go to where? All the way. To do what? So who are we to obey? Those who say the door is closed or the master who says, all authority on earth and heaven is given to me. Therefore, go. Who, who, who has closed which door? Satan or Jesus? Can Jesus open the door Satan has closed? Yes. But how do we go? So, we can go. If we decide to do it differently. So, cut a long story short. We decided to find Christians who we can send as missionaries. Teachers, scholars, plumbers, engineers, English teachers, math teachers, to this 1040 window, doctors, eh, who we can send to this place. They go for some small amount of money, yes, but they are using their time and energy and uh, to bring people to the Lord, and we are seeing great results. And some of them go under different guises and names, but they all go as professionals. 
as I was talking to you, I just got a report that one of our missionaries has been killed. And we're just there, thinking how we are going to rehabilitate the family, the wife and children, and take care of them. And we had come to a certain conclusion. So when you said, you know me, I couldn't tell who you were. A spy? Or somebody else who has caught somebody who is not coming to give me a headache? But now that I know that you're on my side, I want you to know this is what it would take for the work of God to be accomplished. Not only the throwing of money, but people who are willing to sacrifice for the Lord, who the Lord has blessed, that they've passed through places where people cannot see them. They take Bibles, they seek them, they cannot find the Bible. They are carrying money, people seek them, they cannot see the money. But once in a while, they catch them. And when they catch them, they kill them. And the more they kill them, and people find out that they were only here. And what were they doing? They were praying for us, healing us, correcting us, teaching us. They said, ah, if that is why you are killing somebody, then I'll come. And the amazing thing, that when they are killing some of them, they are laughing. So, Lord, into your hands I commit my spirit because they have the grace of giving not only their money, but their lives to the Lord. Friends, don't let us interpret the grace of giving as only money. But whatever the Lord has you to do, you do it. It starts first by giving your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's what Paul had done. And so when all these other things were happening, it didn't bother him. When he was now finally in prison for sharing the gospel. In Philippi, he was there, Acts 16. They beat him, said go. Finally, he landed in the Roman prison. Was there, he was writing. and wrote all the books we are reading because his life had totally been given to God. Is that how you are? Is that who you are? So don't just give your money and throw it at God. Throw it at church. Oh, they are saying it. Oh, they are coming to mark the book, the register. I gave, I didn't give, a member in good standing, a member in good sitting, and this and that. That's what it is all about. It is for the door to open for you to achieve God's purpose, and God's purpose for your life will be open for you to experience the joy. Why Philippians is called the letter of joy, that there's joy in knowing and obeying the Lord's will for your life. Let's pray together. Our dear God and Father, we thank you and we praise you for your goodness to us. Who are we? Who are we? Who are we? Bless us that we have a bigger definition of the grace of giving because you give your best and your very best. Graces abound towards us, but let us also abound towards you what we share with one another. If there's anyone here who does not know you as Lord and Savior, may they come to you today. But if there's somebody here at the crossroad of making a decision for you, living for you, doing more than they can ever imagine because they've caught the Macedonian spirit, help them to live in that spirit and not a Corinthian spirit. The two can go together because the grace of giving can abound. It can be cultivated when we understand what it means. Your word 
live within us and through us in Jesus' name. Amen.